Hey there, everybody. It is Gormy, and I'm excited for today's episode of the Fat Guy Forum. It's going to be a little bit different than really anything we've done before. I've done solo episodes, but they've been really topic-driven. Um, and this one has a topic, but not just me pontificating on a topic. What we're going to talk about today is take you through what Gourmet eats. Uh, not just what I eat now, but uh, what I ate when I started keto. Uh, those were some of the big questions that came out of um, my episode about how Gourmet went keto and uh, or why Gourmet why Gourmet Goes Keto, I guess was what I called it. But so what I did was I went to Instagram and I said, do you guys have any questions? Is there anything we can talk about? And I got a ton of, of great questions. Um, got some that are really about the big picture, some that are specific to keto, uh, some that are just about food and how I eat and my food patterns, some very specific macro questions and keto problem questions, and then some that are a little random. Um, but fit the topic of food and eating. So I honestly don't know how long this is going to go. I'm going to just go through these questions and let it be what it is. I, I hope that you'll enjoy this and get something out of it. Maybe it'll generate some more questions. If it does generate more questions for you, you know you can find me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto or on Twitter at gourmet goes keto, no spaces. Or you can always email the show, thefatguyforum at gmail.com. So I want to kind of dive in um, to all of this, and uh, I broke them into kind of categories a little bit, uh, but let's, let's start with, with a big picture question. And this one was, how has your diet changed from when you first started until now, and what are the big lessons regarding food? So that's a really big question. Um, as I've mentioned before, when I started, uh, I was what you would call dirty or lazy keto. I was not counting calories. I was really just counting um, net carbs, uh, keeping it under 25 to start. And then eventually I kind of went down to 20. Um, but it was always net carbs. And then fat and protein, I basically went off what I had read in books and um, picked up on, you know, keto shopping lists and keto food lists and what vegetables were lower carbs, what meats were higher fat. Um, also applying the lessons that I picked up from my time doing the paleo and primal diets in terms of ingredient sourcing and things along those lines. So in the very beginning of when I started keto, I would say I was probably using more keto treats than I do now, uh, more regularly at least. Um, you know, so baking things and uh, buying Halo Top ice cream was a regular for me. I would have that a couple times a week um, even. And... My meals primarily in the beginning were um, things like um, sugar-free sausages and steak and ground beef and all the things I eat now, heavier on cheese than I am now most likely. Um, and then also, obviously, because I was doing 25 grams of net carbs, I was eating more vegetables. I was eating more things like mashed cauliflower and a lot of roasted asparagus. I was a huge fan of Brussels sprouts roasted with bacon. I still am. Um, but my diet has changed in terms of how I approach um, food and some of those ingredients now. So in the beginning, I really was just building meals that seemed keto to me, I guess. Um, so there might have even been some times where I was more likely low carb and not eating a ketogenic ratio. Um, but I was losing weight and it was working. So I uh, that's how I started. And then as far as where it's evolved to, um, as most of you know, I, I work with a coach now uh, who's through the Deeper State Keto Program. One of the big tenants is we count total carbs. I do 10 grams of total carbs a day, and he adjusts my protein and fat macros to be where we are at the, the point in my cut. Uh, we are always um, raising and lowering my calories um, on a slow gradient um, to keep my metabolism active, but also encourage my body to shed fat. Um, so 10 grams of total carbs is a very different picture than 25 grams of net carbs. 25 grams of net carbs, I would do a plate of Brussels sprouts and bacon and still um, fit in like a keto brownie or cookie after or a Quest bar or something along those lines. Whereas now, 10 grams of total carbs today, just to let you know, just to break it down for you this, this day, um, 
I had some cheese that had carbs in it. I ate some sauerkraut and got some carbs from there. And I also had a too good yogurt and got carbs from there. And all of that added up to be 10 grams. I believe there was, there was also a carb and a half in the Primal Kitchen Thousand Island dressing I had with my meal today. Um, so you, 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 I've always paid attention to carb counts, but I look at them differently now. I guess it would be a good way to answer that. Uh, question that kind of comes similar to that is, did you initially just stay within macros or track a combo of macros and calories? Initially, uh, like I said, I wasn't counting calories at all. I was relying on the um, satiation of, of a ketogenic macro to, um, of, a, of a ketogenic way of eating to um, bring things more in line for me in terms of regulating my appetite and making it easier for me uh, to handle uh, my appetite. And it did work for a while. You know, the that version of like an intuitive eating plan was something that helped me. I did that for a year and a half and saw great progress, obviously. It was something that worked really well for me. Eventually, though, my food addiction and my hungers and cravings, um, I wasn't able to white knuckle through them anymore. And I needed to do something that would change that. So now I do. The next question I got is, you count calories um, as well as your keto macros, and do you count calories or intuitive eat is, an, is another question. I put those together. So now I, I count macros and calories. I don't just look at a, a carb number. I look at my overall calories. Those are set for me by my coach, but I am counting calories. And I know there's going to be some people out there that disagree with this, but um, we can't discount the fact that calories matter. Um, it's not, I don't think... Weight loss is just specifically calories in, calories out, clean and shut. I mean, it could, in theory, could be in, an, in a vacuum chamber, but we're, we're human beings with hormonal processes and psychological things that happen, and sometimes we need tools that help us be able to uh, control the amount of calories going in our bodies, and um, for me, that's keto. So I count calories, yes, because I want to keep losing weight. Um, but I do also track my macros. Let's see like where we should move from here. Um, so someone asked, how often did you adjust your macros as you lost weight? Um, honestly, I didn't for that first year and a half or so at all adjust anything. I stuck to that 25 grams of net carbs. I probably to some extent was intuitively adjusting them, but nothing, nothing on paper. Um, Eventually, working with a coach, I, I started to get clear set macros, and we look at them every week. He looks at my weigh-ins and my reactions and what I'm eating and um, adjusts appropriately in terms of what my goals are. And right now, my goals are still to lose a little more weight, less than 20 pounds to goal, but we have some, some work to do. So we're actually in the process of cutting my calories back. Um, they adjust slowly. Um, a couple grams of fat and a couple grams of protein every week is the way it's been the past couple weeks. Uh, we don't do anything really drastic. It's it's more um, slowly reducing them. And this kind of um, dieting, reverse dieting and, and titration is something that honestly I couldn't figure out on my own. It was something I needed to work with a coach to do. Um, so, you know, I work with the Keto Road. Uh, John Shane on Instagram is his, his handle. But I work with him, and he helps me with it a lot. It's really great. Um, I had another macro question. What do my macros look like as far as fat and protein percentages? Right now, well, it, the Deeper State Keto Coaching Protocol uh, takes you to a, a higher fat percentage than some people do with keto. Some stay in the 65-70 range. Um, I've been in a – well, I, I think at one point we got it to around 67 but 67 to 80 is where I've been. And right now I'm back in that 80 percentage range, 78 to 80%. And that has a lot to do with how I feel. Um, I think this is something that people forget about when they're, they're talking about what they're eating. Um, not just how is my weight adjusting, but how is my mental cognition? How is my body functioning? Uh, when I brought my protein macro higher and my fat macro lower, I actually started to notice. Um, I, I wasn't feeling as sharp mentally, and my cravings were starting to come back. The higher fat ratio for me provides 
satiation, mental clarity, all of those things. So we, we took it back up and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good doing that. How did you know where to set your calories at in the beginning and along the way? I think I, I kind of got into that a little bit already, but I didn't know where to set them at the beginning. And that's why I ran into problems. If you listen to my How Gourmet Went Keto episode, I talked about how a little over a year and a half into going keto, I actually started to stall for a couple months and started to regain weight, um, struggling to eat intuitively and realized I needed to start doing some tracking. For me, I needed help to do that. So you might be able to do that on your own. It might be something that you can take care of yourself. I definitely think that's fine. What Let's start to, What can we start to get into? Okay, let's start to talk about some food-specific questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. So someone asked, and we'll just go right through these, do you get enough veggies in? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I think there's a raging debate on is there such a thing as enough veggies? Um, I get 10 grams of carbs a day. Primarily, they come from vegetables usually. Sometimes I'll throw them all towards a treat of some kind. But for the most part, I eat vegetables. I feel like I get enough. Um, I get my vitamins primarily from animal products. Um, they're more bioavailable. And um, to me, the vegetables are almost more like flavoring for what I'm eating. How often do you fast? I got a couple questions about fasting. I got the how often do you fast? Do you fast? Do you use intermittent fasting? Are you a strict intermittent faster? So let's, let's dive into this. Uh, this is something that I, I've done at different points throughout my journey. Fasting, I found to be a pretty powerful tool, uh, something that can be great for helping with healing hormones, uh, promoting autophagy, and yes, although most people don't even want to talk about this, fasting can lead to caloric restriction. Um, I've done 24-hour fasts. I've done 48-hour fasts. I've done 72-hour fasts, and I even once did a seven-day fast. Um, those things all are what I would consider my extended fasting. Um, the seven-day fast was very interesting. Um, the first 24 to 48 hours was rough. The middle three days was a piece of cake. And that last 24 hours was mental torture. Mental torture knowing that food was coming back and I wanted it back. And what was I going to eat? Um, it wasn't a healthy thing for me. I will say that. I came out of that fast well. Um, I broke it in a smart way. I didn't experience any adverse effects. And I also didn't, um, excuse me, I, I think I might have put like a pound of water weight back on the next day, um, but didn't really experience any rebounding that I see happen a lot with people when they do extended fasting because they, they binge when they go back to food. I think it's a natural reaction. And so I, I think if you are someone that struggles with binge eating, um, extended fasting can be something that's detrimental, something to think about for yourself and maybe talk about with someone. Um, so I've used fasting throughout my journey. And um, since I've been working with the Keto Road, I, I haven't really done that many extended fasts. I've done one actually, um, did this, I think it was a 72 hour um, fast. And that was the only one that I did. Um, beyond that, I do do intermittent fasting. I separate what extended fasting and intermittent fasting are. There's so many more people out there that are much smarter about all of this than me. So uh, please do some research on fasting if it's something you're interested in. Jason Fung has a great book. Um, I think Jimmy Moore has a, has a book out on this. Um, there's a lot of actual research you can look at. Um, even jump on Instagram and do some, do some hashtag searching and you'll find some great resources. Um, for me, intermittent fasting... Um, right now, it used to, when I, when I first started using it, it was more of the 16-8 split. Uh, I would fast for 16 hours and then have an 8-hour eating window, You know, usually from noon to 8 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night, depending on the day. And then at times, I would do an 18-6 and just do like a noon to 6 p.m. eating window. So if you, you hear people talk about intermittent fasting and you hear them saying, is it 18-6? Is it 16-8? Is it 24 um, that means that that's the number of hours that they're fasting and the number of hours that they have for an eating window. Now, I will say, um, I believe 100% that fasting and intermittent fasting are easier when you're fat adapted on uh, such as you are on a ketogenic diet. Um, you're not relying on carbs for energy. 
so you can go a little bit longer without intake. Uh, just something to think about. I, again, I'm not a doctor. Nothing I'm giving you today is medical advice and should not be taken as medical advice. I am just a fat guy. You know that. Hopefully you know that. Um, so intermittent fasting is something that I do. Honestly, I, I think now it's, it's, one, it's become such a regular part of my life. But two, it's not something I attack with a zealous philosophy. It's something that I do more out of necessity. Um, when my calories are lower, specifically um, as they're headed right now, I like to do an OMAD. OMAD, if you've seen that acronym, O-M-A-D, is one meal a day. And again, I don't do OMAD as a way of eating. I do it out of necessity because I like a heartier meal versus smaller meals. Smaller meals tend to keep my hunger raging. One heartier meal tends to fill me up more. So what I actually do right now in terms of breaking my food down is I have a fatty coffee that usually has some collagen powder in it. So collagen, butter, collagen, butter, and MCT, collagen, butter, and cream, collagen, cream, and MCT, whatever combination I'm feeling like. Nothing magical about that formula. And it usually is to cap off my macro planning for the day as well. I have that first. And then probably an hour or two later, maybe two hours later, I have my meal, my one meal. It's the rest of my calories and macros for the day. I get everything in. Um, one, and this is something, oh, who was, who was, it was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and um, it actually might have been uh, The Superhuman Life um, that Chad House was on this week um, with Frank hosting and they were just talking about eating one meal and the amount of time that you save. Don't discount that. It, that is one thing I really like, like having time to not worry about cooking, having time to not worry about having to, to, to take that other chunk of my day out to eat is, is kind of freeing in some ways. So it's something that I like, something that works well for me. Uh, let's move on from fasting. Do you do alcohol whatsoever? Um, I did when I first started, um, mostly ketogenically, quote unquote. Um, so clear liquor and usually mixed with soda water. So vodka sodas uh, with a, a lime or a lemon wedge in it was my primary beverage of choice. Um, I also really like the Zevia mixers. They have a ginger beer uh, that you can make an amazing Moscow mule with. Um, I liked doing that. Um, made sure I had those for the first time on vacation. Um, they also have a, a tonic, a Zevia tonic that you can make a gin and tonic with and did that as well. Um, the last time I drank alcohol, though, was December of 2018. Uh, it's now summer, almost fall of 2019. And it was at my company's holiday party. I stayed ketogenic with the choices, but I realized the next day how sick I felt and the, the hangover and the after effects and how quickly I got drunk and all of those things just added up to being not worth it for me. Uh, the other thing that I find, um, and some of you might be able to, to feel the same about this, is when I drink alcohol, um, my resolve weakens when it comes to food. I start to think about making bad food choices. So anything that, that prevents me from getting to my goals is something I decide isn't really worth it. So for me, right now, I really don't do any alcohol at all. Um, where do I eat my meals and why? I thought this was interesting because people are always asking, when do you eat your meals? But where do you eat your meals? Um, I eat most of my meals at work. I, I, on my lunch break is when I eat. I bring the food prepared with me and zap it in the microwave or throw it. And we have a nice convection toaster oven, which much to the chagrin of my coworkers sometimes can smell up the office with nothing bad, but more so food that they want. And... Um, I, I eat my food at work. Um, it fits better timing-wise for me. One of the things that I did learn from how I eat now, this is an intermittent fasting lesson because a lot of times people intermittent fast to have dinner. And I think if you have a family, it makes a lot of sense that you're going to be sitting down with them for dinner and want to be able to eat with them. Um, I don't have that. Um, no family living with me, at least. Um, so it's not a problem for me. So I can not have dinner at home and be okay. Um, I've also, what I've found in terms of how my food obsession works, if I eat my food earlier in the day and I finish it, I'm able to then make a switch, turn off a switch in my head and say, you're done eating. You're done eating for the day. 
Whereas if I eat a little bit early in the day and then, or even don't eat anything, if I stay fasting and then I know I've got dinner coming at six or seven o'clock, by noon, I am fixated on when the food is coming and obsessed and can barely function and think about anything else at times. I uh, haven't tried it in a while. I've done it every so often. Uh, my sister's coming in town soon. I'll probably um, have some dinners with her, so we'll see how that goes. But for me, I just find that eating my food earlier uh, ends up working out best. Uh, someone asked, how many donuts do you eat daily? I'm assuming this was Cave Dad, and the answer is zero. You know it's zero, sadly. No donuts. No donuts. Um, how did I learn to cut back on portions? Um, there's, a, there's a bigger picture to that. I've been dieting since I was 10 years old. I'm in my mid-40s. So portion control is something that I learned about and didn't exercise. So for me, um, figuring out portions with keto... First, it was about um, figuring out, you know, kind of net carbs and how much food that would be and learning that for different products. Like that really helped me with portioning those items. Um, again, like I said, fat and protein, I didn't exercise portion control over except kind of natural eating till satiated. Um, working with my coach, though, it has taken some learning, a learning curve for me, a little bit of a process to figure out. Um, so if I'm eating 120 grams of protein a day, what does that translate to? Most of us don't think of protein in just protein grams because it's not 120 grams of meat. There's water and other things going on there. So you want, you're want you looking at like what the actual protein content is. Um, so I had to, to kind of relearn portions, and I did it by doing it. I did it by entering information. I used the Chronometer app to track my macros and calories. I love Chronometer. I think it's a great resource allows you to track your micronutrients, which I think is really important. And I started to create meals in there. And I was given some samples by my coach. And then I started to build my own. And now it's become like a game I play. Uh, getting those numbers to hit every day is very satisfying. And that's how I figure out what my portions are going to be. <coughs> um... Another question about fasting, we answered that. A question about IF and OMAD, we answered that. Um, do I eat fish or seafood? I do. I like it. I'm learning to like more. A um, couple, couple things. A lot of the seafoods that I really like are things like oysters and scallops. They have carbs in them. You may not realize it, but there are carbs in a lot of shellfish. So um, they add up fast. That's one thing. Uh, another thing is I, I like my fish very fresh. and so you can't, it's hard to meal prep fish aside from like canned, canned fish. Um, so if I'm going to have fish, it's going to be on a weekend. And a lot of times by the time I get to the weekend, there's different things I want more than fish, if that makes sense. So I do, um, just not something I eat a lot. Um, one food I could eat for the rest of my life. Now, I'm always tempted with a question like this to say, I'm going to give you three answers. Here's my top three. But the question didn't say give three. The question said one. So I'm going to give you one food I could eat for the rest of my life. My answer is going to kind of be a cheat because it's something that's, that's a combination of ingredients to make it. But I'll consider it a food. So the one food I could eat for the rest of my life is a skillet pizza. I freaking love a skillet pizza and can get in trouble with too big of a skillet pizza. So I'd say that's the one food. I could definitely eat that for the rest of my life and be satisfied. I don't think I'd have any problems. I mean, like, I love a ribeye, and I could probably eat a ribeye every day for a while, but eventually I'd be like, okay, enough. I like ground beef. Again, I'd, I'd hit in enough place. I don't think with a skillet pizza I'd ever have that happen. So that's what I would pick. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Um... Do I meal prep in advance or cook the day of? Do I plan ahead or do I ever break away from those plans? So there's a couple things going on here. I definitely meal prep in advance as much as possible. There's some things I don't like to cook in advance. I don't like pre-cooked scrambled eggs and those kind of egg dishes. I just, I haven't found one that I really like yet. Um, Culinary Lion Keto, Frank, who was on this podcast, he just recently posted an egg cup recipe that looks really interesting to me. I might have to try it. But for the most part, I stay away from pre-cooked eggs. Aside from, I like hard-boiled eggs. I mean, I like hard-boiled eggs. But 
pre-cooking scrambled eggs and portioning those out, I don't like. So I actually use a microwave egg cooker um, at work if I want eggs. But for the most part, I'm prepping my food in advance and just heating it up. On the weekends, though, I like to get a little more adventurous with my cooking and try things out and make new things and do some actual active cooking for my meals. Uh, this weekend, today, I did some savory chaffles, which is all the rage in the keto sphere, the cheese and egg waffle. And tomorrow, I'm going to do a version of that that is more on the savory tip. So I'm sorry, sweet tip, sweet tip. Um, so um, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Um, do I plan ahead? Yes, I plan ahead. I plan uh, my days. Um, I usually plan my whole week out in advance, um, including the next weekend. Uh, that helps me with shopping and making sure that I don't overbuy food, things along those lines. Do I ever break away from those plans? I do. I do. Sometimes I meal prep something, and after the third day, I'm like, I can just not do this anymore. So I'll vacuum seal the leftovers, throw them in the freezer, and uh, whip up something else. I work a night job Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So if I'm going to do any cooking, it's between, I have a little bit of a longer break on Wednesdays. Uh, I can try to squeeze something in on a Wednesday or Thursday night is when I'll do that. Um, do I completely deviate from the plans and say, I'm going to go out to eat instead? I, I don't do that. It's not, it's not something that I find easy enough for me to do on my journey. Um, do I eat snacks or just meals? I pretty much just eat meals. I don't really snack. I may have things at my meal that people would consider a snack food, like pork rinds. Big fan of pork and good pork rinds. Their new flavor line is fantastic. Um, I just think that their, their tastes are really fantastic. As a, a hearty New Englander, I love a salt and vinegar potato chip. And their salt and vinegar pork rinds capture that vinegar bite for me in such a great way. It's really awesome. Um, but I eat them with my meal, not something I, I do separately. It's something that I eat with my meal. Um, do I take any supplements? I do. I take some supplements. I take a couple different things. Um, most of them though, aren't necessarily about keto. Um, I supplement my electrolytes. That is definitely about, uh, my, my ketogenic lifestyle. And that's probably what you all are more interested in. I salt my food with Redmond real salt. I'm a big proponent of Redmond real salt. I love their stuff. I'm actually an affiliate with them. So if you are interested, I'm going to put a code in the show links. I mean, a link in the show links, in the, sh in the show notes. And you can use the code GORMY, G-O-R-M-Y, and get yourself 15% off at Redmond. Um, not trying to do an ad. They're not sponsoring this podcast or anything. But um, I really like their mission. The people are fantastic. Um, the fact that it is sourced here in the United States is really great. Um, they're, they're a great, great company. Um, but I use Redmond Real Salt for my electrolytes. On their website, you can find out more about why they're salt versus others, all of that jazz. Um, for potassium, I use Zip Fizz. Some people don't like Zip Fizz. It's Zip Fizz. Zip Fizz. It's got sucralose in it. Um, it's such a small amount that I don't really worry about it. It doesn't seem to stall me or cause cravings. Um, and I really like the convenience of a Zip Fizz. Um, pop that into some water and take that down in the afternoon usually. And then at night, I take um, magnesium in the form of natural calm. Uh, one, magnesium can actually help you sleep, but it also helps promote, you know, the homeostasis in your body, your electrolyte balance and everything. Um, so those are the three micronutrients that I target specifically. And then I take a variety of supplements. Um, one, uh, you know, one area that I'm working, I work on is... Um, just supporting nerve damage that's in my body. So I take a couple of things that are related to diabetic nerve damage. Um, and I take a couple of things for helping to increase testosterone production in my body. I have had low testosterone levels, still do relatively. And I'm working on bringing those up through weight loss and natural methods. So I don't have to um, go on using, look into using a testosterone replacement therapy. I'm not opposed to that. And I know a lot of people that do it. Uh, but I, I, I want to wait and see where I'm at once I hit my goal weight before I make any adjustments there. Um, beyond that, that's my supplements. Oh, I do also, I take an iodine. One of the things, um, Redmond Real Salt is not iodized. Um, we also, you know, most, the most Americans' diets don't include a lot of foods rich in iodine. So I take a kelp supplement um, for iodine. Just, again, not something I'm telling you all to do. Look into all of those if you're interested. 
Um, let's see what else. Do you? Oh, here we go. We're getting into some interesting stuff now. Do you crave any foods, or did you in the past? Um, yes, I cravings are are very real sometimes. Uh, they can be mental or physical. Um, if I have a physical craving for something, it's usually going to be for something like meat. Um, if I have a mental craving, it's because I'm thinking I need something sweet or I need something cheesy. Those those foods that are hyper palatable, um, even if they are ketogenic, um, can can still trigger some of those cravings for you. Uh, if I eat something that's higher in carbs or has wheat in it, um, you know, or even just pure like a, a higher amount of pure sugar accidentally, um, I'll feel some cravings. I know what that feels like now. I know, excuse me, what my body is saying. You know, it wants more of the sweet stuff. So I, I have to keep that in check. Um, there was another question kind of similar to that. Where did I put it? Hmm. Oh, so this question kind of goes along with that. Um, are there any keto foods that are triggering? Any keto foods that are triggering? That's a good question. And obviously, there are. There are for me. Um, are they for you? I don't know. There's some people I see, I, I admire, I see a lot of people on Instagram that post every day a different keto dessert they're baking and trying and they're eating and more power to them. I, myself, um, like I was testing a keto ice cream, some new flavors recently. And after doing that for a couple of days in a row, my cravings were out of control for more of everything. Um, can I 100% say it was caused by eating that that food? No, but that was the variable. And, you know, Occam's razor, sometimes the most obvious thing is the right answer. And so I realized that I needed to pull it back a little bit. And I did, and those cravings and triggering went away. Um, other things that are, there are a lot of keto foods now that are engineered just as much as the junk food they're near on the supermarket shelves. Don't fool yourselves because you see keto on the label of something. Realize that the manufacturers are just as much trying to get you to eat their food. They want to create that sense of hyperpalatability, of desire, um, of coolness, all of those things that people do to regular food, regular quote unquote junk food um, to market it to you. They're going to do to these things. So if something tastes too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true would be my little caveat for you. Your mileage may vary. I know we don't really use that much on the internet anymore. That's how old I am, but your mileage may vary on that. But I think that's something to think about. Someone asked a question that's kind of tangential to this, but I think it makes sense to go into now. Um, in my keto episode, I talked about overeating on keto foods, uh, how that was a problem for me that started to manifest as weight gain. And what were the types of things I overate on? They want to know specifically, what were the foods that I was overeating? So it was food in general. So portions for meat and vegetables, things along those lines. But I eventually had become like a one-a-day Quest Bar fiend. Um, I was dipping them in nut butters. Nut butters, if you haven't heard me talk about them before, I don't know what rock you've been living under. But I'm a severe nut butter addict. And... Um, it's something I've actually learned to control now. Um, it took me, you know, getting off of them for seven or eight months. And I know it, it sounds like I'm an addict talking about drugs or alcohol, but really uh, I had to step away from them to get some perspective. And now I measure and weigh my portions. Before, when I ran into problems, I was just scooping from a jar with a spoon, not even a tablespoon. And so obviously you're taking more than you're, you're supposed to be portion-wise and then always taking a little extra. And then it would turn into finishing the jar. And I love to tell the story. There is a brand of nut butters out there that they construct their nut butters um, to taste like desserts. They're very palatable. They have an amazing flavor. And they taste just like the desserts they're labeled as. And I could burn through a jar in two days or one day or four jars in a weekend once. So... Those were the foods that I had a big trouble with. Um, I had also started buying Halo Top a lot, like the low-carb ice creams, Halo Top Rebel. Um, I was keeping those in the house more. Um, I was overeating. This, is, this was the lesson I took away. I was overeating on all the things I overate on before. 
just because they were keto foods doesn't mean there was something magical about them. I was still uh, triggered to overeat on them. I was making skillet pizzas in a 14-inch skillet instead of in my 8-inch. Um, I, I had lost portion control and, and sense of reality when it came to that stuff. So just, just something to think about if those are things you struggle with and you eat those foods. Um, sometimes we all don't react the same things. I think that's a, a key lesson in, in looking at a ketogenic way of eating is not everyone is going to react the same to every food. Some people can eat a Quest bar and be fine. Some people eat a steak and crave more meat. Uh, you know, some people can handle cheese. Some people can't handle cheese. Some people can handle nut butter. Some people can't handle nut butters. Um, treat yourself as the most important e experiment. Don't go off someone else's experience. Listen to their experience for sure. Look for red flags that might affect you as well. But try things for yourself, I think, is really, really, really important. Just something to think about. Do you have cheat meals? And if so, what do you like to eat during them? Well, right now I don't. I don't have cheat meals. Um, I also think the idea of calling something a cheat um, is ruinous to begin with. I know it's dumb. There's probably some people rolling their eyes listening to that. Like, just call it a cheat meal and move past it. Um, for me, it's, it's not a cheat. Uh, I, I saw someone say this the other day, too. It might have been... Um, I honestly can't remember who it was, um, but they they said a cheat is something that should get you to your finish line faster, and a cheat meal does not get you to your dietary finish line faster. If anything, it sets you back. So I don't think of, of off-plan meals as cheats. I think of them as off-plan. I think of them, identify them for what they are. They're eating outside of my plan, or they're overeating within my plan. Um, and I can choose to do that and you can choose to do it too. That's the other thing I, by me saying I don't eat cheat meals and I, I don't think you should think of them as cheats is I'm not telling you not to have them though. Honestly, I'm not. What I want you to think about is the intentionality of your behavior and the intentionality of what you're eating. Uh, it's what I need to do for me. I, I'm going to Disneyland soon. And one of the things I love at Disneyland is a treat you can only get at Disneyland in Anaheim, Anaheim, California from the Jolly Holiday Mary Poppins Bakery. It's called a Matterhorn Macaroon. They do not sell it at any other Disney park. They don't sell it across the street at Disney's California Adventure. You can only get it from that one spot. It is a unique experience. It is a hybrid of a coconut macaroon and a shortbread cookie shaped to look like a mountain with a white chocolate snow top. Um... It is possibly the most delicious treat I've ever had in my life. And I, I'm leaning towards having one when I'm there. Um, I know my body will feel some ill effects from taking in the wheat products, and I will probably face some consequences cravings-wise. But one, I, I want to see how I react. Two, I feel like the experience can be worth it, and I think it's sometimes about memories over macros. I think Keto Coach Lauren says that, memories over macros. I'm going to be at Disney with my sister for her birthday, and um, that's something that we've gotten there before as kind of a celebratory item. I actually had one the last time I went to Disney in May of 2018. I was keto, and it didn't trigger me. It didn't send me spiraling out of control or anything, so I'm looking forward to trying it again. Um, I think for you, you can make the same intentional choices when it comes to what you're going to eat. Um, you just have to face... Uh, the consequences and realize that sometimes those consequences are okay. Uh, they can be miserable consequences and you can be willing to face them. It's okay to make choices for yourself. Uh, that's something one of my guests that you've heard already by this point, Dale talks about, you know, is he, he eats um, off keto at times, but he chooses to do it. And I, I think there's something really powerful to think about there. So for me, that there, there's something there. Um, what is your, oh, this was a good question. This was actually from Miles uh, Telecron, who was on this show before. What is your favorite nut butter and what is your favorite cheese? Um, it's funny, like my, I'm going to say like my actual favorite nut butter, at the moment, it's um, 
the su the company Superfat makes a nitro MCT almond butter that's got coffee in it. It's got a great coffee hit and a coffee coffee taste. In general, though, if I had to pick like a, a unique nut, like a, a standalone nut butter, standalone, uh, my favorite is probably actually uh, pistachio nut butter. I had it for the first time in San Diego from a small, organic, crunchy granola hippie co-op. It was the only place in the country I could find it at that time. This was years ago, probably five or six years ago. Um, and it was an explosion of flavor. It's higher in carbs than other nut butters. So if you're keto, it might not be fit into your macros. Um, but I would say that pistachio stands out as a favorite. You can get it all over the place now. Amazon, uh, stores, things like that. My favorite cheese is a much bigger question. Um, I'm a fan of most cheeses. There really aren't a lot of cheeses that I don't like. I love a great sharp provolone. I love a great aged, crystally crunchy cheddar, um, or and also an aged Gouda that's just like that as well. I think those are fantastic. I like a creamy smoked Gouda. Um, but if I had to narrow it down to what my favorite cheese is, it's probably going to be Great Hill Blue Cheese. Great Hill is locally produced in New England. Uh, their blue cheese is, is just truly fantastic. I love a nice blue cheese. Uh, this one has a nice balance between creaminess and pungency, uh, but it is a great, great blue cheese. So Great Hill Blue is my favorite cheese. Gourmet approved. Gourmet approved cheese right there for you. Okay, where are we? Where are we going? What did I miss? We've got some more questions. We're, we're coming towards the end of the questions, but don't worry. Uh, we still got some more to get through. Um, let's, let's look at some that were about uh, assistance people need with keto. Um, one question was, how to get started? They find the science of keto overwhelming. That's a really great question. And um, I think, and I, I guess, I'm going to give my opinion. This is my opinion. If you are someone who's never done keto before, you're eating a standard American diet, what I would do is find a list of, you know, get a, a macro tracking app, you know, a, a food tracking um, app, not because I want you to track macros right now, but because I want you to be able to see the nutrients in food, um, to track your carbs, find your carbs. Uh, you can also look at keto shopping lists, dietdoctor.com. I think they have a great introduction to low carb eating page. It's a free resource. I think that's a fantastic place to start. And there goes my neighborhood. We got some police in the background. I wonder if you guys will hear that. Um, that dietdoctor.com page lists great ideas for proteins and vegetables. Um, Ruled.me is another great resource. But what here's what I would encourage. Um, start with net carbs. Start by keeping yourself under 20, 25 net carbs. And eat protein and fat to satiation. Um, you can play with fat versus protein in terms of how much you eat. Uh, but for at least the first two weeks, do that to help your body get fat adapted, but eat enough so you're not hungry. And even if that means like you feel like you're overeating a little bit, um, eat enough so that you're not hungry, but make sure you're getting enough fat in. And I know that's all very amorphous, but that's just, this is what I did to start. Uh, but I kept those carbs low so my, bar, my body would get fat adapted. Well, once you get through those first couple of weeks, um, and you're trying to get your body truly fat adapted, you can start looking at uh, a macros calculator and doing some tighter tracking if you want to. Or just if you're happy with your progress, this is the other thing. If you're happy with the progress you're having, why change it? Don't worry about what a P-strip says. Don't worry about a blood test says. Uh, if you're happy with the weight loss you're seeing and how you feel, move forward. If you're not, make changes. So that's how I suggest getting started. Um, this question, I, the, I answered the first part already, but what did you eat in the beginning and how often did you eat to jumpstart ketosis? Um, I didn't do anything to jumpstart ketosis. That's why I kept this question here. Um, I think people sometimes think about ketosis as a magical process. Um, it's a metabolic process that you get into by reducing your carb intake, plain and simple. So I ate less carbs. That's how I got my body into ketosis. Um, I know this is this what what did gourmet eat? So what did you eat in the beginning? 
So I, I want to talk about some of the actual meals I ate in the beginning, just to give you guys a picture of that. I think we've focused a lot. None of these, a lot of these questions didn't really get into what did I actually eat, um, and I wanted to cover that a little bit for you guys. So hopefully this is something you're interested in. In the beginning, a lot of what I was eating, I was I'm big into making homemade mayonnaise. If you go to my Instagram page, I have some highlights about how I make it. Um, making and flavoring homemade mayonnaise with different things like roasted garlic was a big one I used in the beginning. Uh, roasted garlic, hot sauce, um, cayenne pepper, chili pepper blends, um, garlic powder, different mustards, um, vinegars, lemon juice, lime juice, um, different acids. Um, so I would make homemade, homemade mayo, and then I would cook a protein. I would make a low-carb meatloaf, or I would make um, a roast. I love doing a, a, a crock pot chuck roast, eight hours with a little bit of broth and some onions, and you have something very delicious that feeds you for a couple days. Um, and then I would batch cook um, ketogenic vegetables, like wilted greens, or roasted asparagus, or roasted Brussels sprouts, or mashed cauliflower, or cheesy baked cauliflower, or roasted cauliflower, roasted mashed cauliflower specifically. Let's talk about this for a second. If this is not something you've ever had in your life, I want you to try this. You take the, the cauliflower head, break it up into florets, toss them with some seasoning, salt and pepper, and a little, little oil, whichever you prefer. I would usually use avocado oil for its higher temperature. Roast it in an oven, 375, 400 degrees, until it's brown and starts to get crispy. Then, at the same time, roast a head of garlic as well. Make roasted garlic. Then, put all of that in a food processor. Add some butter or some ghee, your fat of choice. I've even done coconut oil. Um, and whiz that up into a delicious, amazingly flavorful vegetable side dish. Roasted mashed cauliflower. That's, that's a gourmet tip for you. Uh, I would eat a lot of things like that. Uh, you, could, you could cook it in batches and have it ready to go. Um, I would keep around things like I loved, um, I, I still love and use um, goodies mixes. The goodies blondies. Like if, if you're someone who needs a sweet treat, but is, you know, can't live without, but need something, the goodies mixes, which are available on her website or also on Amazon, are fantastic. Um, they're pretty great ingredients. They're great for someone counting net carbs totally. Um, and there's a huge variety now. When I first got into them, there was like chocolate chip cookies and brownies and blondies. Her blondies. And she's actually reformulating them now, so I'm kind of interested and excited to see what comes out of that. But if you take a Lily's caramelized and salted chocolate bar and chunk that up and mix it into the batter of her blondies, maybe add some nuts if you if you got them in your macros. Um, those are fantastic. I, I, I loved making those a lot. And I would make them, portion them, and freeze them and pop one out and take it with me to work for lunch. Um, so I ate a lot of things like that in the beginning. I bought Quest Bars. I was in love with the Cookies and Cream Quest Bar. Um, almost any flavor of Halo Top, I kept those around. Um, those things, I stopped keeping them around when I realized they were triggering me more. I used to buy almond butter a lot as well, um, flavored almond butters even. So that was in the beginning. Now, if you want to talk about like my meals now, I'm obviously still eating a lot of protein. Uh, my fat ratio is higher. So I, I focus on fatty cuts of meat, ribeye steaks, chuck roast. Um, I love, I've fallen in love of late. I just discovered and I love ground Wagyu beef. It's high in fat and it is delicious. Um, I love doing burger bowls and I can add some cheese and some other ingredients. Um, for my 10 grams of carbs, I, if I need volume, so if you're someone who's counting total carbs and you're looking for volume, um, I think uncooked greens is a great way to go. Uh, baby arugula, baby spinach, baby lettuces. Um, you can get a lot of bang for your buck that way. And then use um, olive oil or a high-fat salad dressing like from Primal Kitchen or Tessie Mays um, to keep it keto, but to get you some volume. Like the building a salad like that is a really great idea. Um, I love to use a sous vide and an Instant Pot uh, to batch cook meats so I can keep chicken breasts around or chicken thighs around or um, a roast or a pork loin, um, a series of chops. I can do a whole bunch of steaks at once. Um, I, I, batch cooking proteins is really big for me. So that's something I eat a lot. 
And then also eggs, pasture-raised eggs. I'm passionate about pasture-raised eggs. One, because of how the chickens are treated. Um, they're just treated better, usually, from pasture-raised farms. And two, um, the taste is better. Like, you might not think that an egg can have a different taste, but they really do. So try some pasture-raised eggs. Best would be to find them from a local farm. If not, check like a Whole Foods or somewhere like that. Look for Vital Farms. They're a big brand that you can usually find somewhere anywhere around the country. Um, get yourself some pasture-raised eggs. You might have a bit of a heart attack when you look at how much you pay for pasture-raised eggs, but believe me, it's, it's worth it when it comes to that ingredient. I think it's definitely worth it. Um, hardest thing about keto. Hardest thing about keto. Hmm. It's, it's almost as if I want to say everything's hard about keto, but everything is fantastic about keto. Um, if I have to pinpoint the one thing that is hardest, actually, and this I think is really interesting. The thing that is actually hardest for me right now today, when I started keto, the thing that was hardest was, was finding foods to, to hit my cravings and satisfy my yearnings for older foods, you know, for the old bad foods I wanted. Um, right now, my hardest problem with keto some days is getting enough carbs. And I know that probably sounds insane, but when you're dealing with 10 grams of carbs, sometimes it's easier to go less um, because it's like, oh, I don't have anything. I'm looking for two more grams or three more grams or what am I going to do? Or, you know, so sometimes when you're working with smaller numbers, it becomes even more challenging. So that's what I'm going to say for me. So I, I guess in general, it's, it's hitting that carb macro is the most challenging thing about keto that I would say overall. Overall. Um, so let's, let's move into some random questions. And then we've got one that's about the future. And we're coming up on almost an hour. So I don't want to go forever with you guys on this today. I hope you're getting something out of this. I'll do another Q&A soon if you like this. But please give me some feedback. Come over to Instagram. Let me know what you think about this idea of doing a Q&A episode of the Fat Guy Forum. And also, any topics for a future Q&A would be really great. Um, talking about what I eat is going to get boring eventually. So we got to find some other things to talk about. So first, um, I am a huge lover of nitro cold brew coffee. Every time I post a nitro coffee picture on Instagram, I get asked what it is. One, do you not have access to Google? Or are you somewhere where you don't have access to the internet because you're commenting on Instagram? Come on, people. One, I empower you. Anything I've talked about today, if you don't know what it is, look for yourself. And if you don't find the answer, come to me. Or if you want my opinion, come to me. But please, please do some initial research yourself. So if you don't know what a nitro cold brew is, I will tell everyone again. This will be a resource you can point people to. It is a nitrogen-infused black cold brew coffee. There is nothing added to it. No cream, no sweeteners. It is nitrogen-infused like a Guinness stout beer. That creates the creamy appearance in the head that eventually settles on it. Someone asked this question, though. Can you add heavy cream to nitro? Yes, you can. People do it all the time. I honestly never have done it because I love the pure um, taste of the, the nitro coffee. But can you do it? You totally can. You can add whatever you want to your coffee. Just remember that. You can add what you want. Just plan for it. Um, one other random question I got that I like. What are your cooking goals and are there any new skills you want to pick up? Um, cooking goals for me, I'm always looking to try new techniques. Like the sous vide has been the one I've really started doing a lot the past year. Before that, I would say it was the Instant Pot and the Air Fryer. I love all of them. I think they're all really great. I wish I had somewhere I could put a grill or a smoker so I could go down that route, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, so I would say I, I think up next for me is going to try to maybe do some curing, some meat curing, some charcuterie. I love a charcuterie plate when I go to a restaurant and... I would love to try to make some of my own. Some of my friends do it now, and I'm inspired by them. So I'm going to be diving into that a little bit. So if you know of any good resources, intro resources for someone getting into charcuterie, uh, books, websites, people, any of that, you send them my way. Uh, send me that information. I'd really, really appreciate it. 
and and here's here's a big question. Um, I'm curious about your future, and this is probably the last question I'm going to cover. I'm curious about your future. Well, so am I. When you move on from having a coach, what will your meals be like then? So this is a big, big picture question. And it's actually, I'm going to be bringing the keto road back on the show soon for us to have this discussion about the big picture of this topic. Um, But he and I have started talking already because we're getting close to that point where um, we will end the weight loss phase of my journey. Uh, move into a reverse dieting where when we come to the end of that reverse dieting, I'll be at my maintenance calorie level. I'll know what that is and I will stop working with him and then I'll be on my own and I'm going to have to make some decisions about what I do then. Um, I've started to think about it. So I will let you know that I will most likely continue to count total carbs. I will probably raise the amount of total carbs I'm eating. I'll probably jump initially to 20 and then uh, through a series of experimentation, you know, slow titration, go from 20 to 25 to 30, even maybe to 35 and see how I feel. Um, if I'm not getting weight and I don't feel sluggish, um, my energy feels great, I'm performing well, uh, I'll stay there. If I feel like my energy levels start to drop or cravings come back or things along those lines, I know that I can adjust and I can course correct. And that's probably the variable that's having that impact. Uh, The other side of things is, you know, will I ever come back to intuitive eating? Do I think that's a possibility? I don't think it's realistic for me to track every gram of food I eat for the rest of my life. I, that's not a life. It's not even not realistic. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to do that. Um, So I will work at um, teaching myself, you know, experimenting, testing myself and um, building some more intuitive eating back into my life. I'm going to have over a year's experience of tight tracking when we move into this phase, when I move into this phase alone. And I'm, I feel like I'm ready to introduce a day or two a week of intuitive eating where I'll, I'll shoot to eat for the same levels I was eating at before, um, at, you know, where my maintenance macros and levels are but not worry about tracking it all right away. Maybe the first couple times I'll record what I eat all day, not in an app, but write it down and then enter it into an app and see how I did targeting wise. Um, I'll also pay attention to how I'm feeling, how my weight is reacting, all of those things and approach it with realistic wide eyes open. So what will my meals look like then? Um, They'll be similar to what I'm eating now. I'll probably just be eating more vegetables. I'll have the flexibility to incorporate Um, a keto treat here or there and and balance it. Um, And then there may be times where I decide that I'm going to eat off plan. I'm going to have those times where I decide, like one of the things John and I have talked about recently was I want to travel overseas. And if I end up in Paris and I'm in front of a Parisian bakery that is, you know, proclaiming they make the best chocolate croissants in the world, am I going to try one? Possibly, if I make the decision in that moment to do it. But I, I can approach food without feeling like everything has to be the end of the world with a meal now. So my plates will change a little bit. Uh, my portions will increase a little bit more than they are right now, probably by six or 700 calories at the very least. And um, we'll start to bring the total carbs up and start to so that I'll be able to incorporate some larger vegetable portions, some more diverse vegetable portions, things along those lines. I will probably still, um, for 99% of the rest of my days, stay away from refined sugars, um, refined carbohydrates, wheat, um, legumes, things along those lines um, that I tend to avoid now, uh, mostly because I, I appreciate how my body feels with those ingredients not there, mostly from an inflammatory standpoint. So that's that's a little bit of, of thoughts about the future. Uh, there is clearly more to come there, though. And John and I will talk about that. Like, what does reverse dieting mean? Like, what will it really mean for me to try to get to a place where I'm no longer focused on web, on weight loss? And what does that mean mentally? Those are things I look forward to talking about with you all very, very soon, because that's happening for me very, very soon. So I appreciate you listening to today's special Q&A episode of the Fat Guy Forum, a look into how one specific fat guy, your host, Gourmet, um, has approach food before, approaches food now, and just answered some of the different questions you had out there. Watch for the next time I put out a Q&A box and put that information out there. 
if you want to be a part of this. And maybe next time I'll even do some shout outs to people as I ask the questions. I didn't ask permission this time, so I didn't want to do that. But we'll see maybe next time I can do that. So for now, my friends, this has been another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gourmet. Find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto and email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Don't forget, it is your responsibility to do something to amaze yourself today because you, my friend, are an amazing person. So find a way to amaze yourself, make something happen, and keep moving forward towards your goals. I have faith that you're going to do it. Take care of yourselves, everybody, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Thank you.